Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. One of our amazing sponsors this week is Zen Parenting Radio. Zen Parenting Radio podcast combines self-awareness and mindfulness with pop culture and humor to expand compassion for ourselves, each other, and the world. Join my friends, Kathy and Todd, at zenparentingradio.com. Life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here for a special one-on-one interview for the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's special guest is Leah Guy. Now, you can learn all about Leah on our website at the show notes, everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And Leah, you take a very unique approach to mindfulness in the, the concept of detachment. You really talk about the fact of this idea of detachment can actually be harmful, not healthy to the process of mindfulness, and that we need to talk about diving into it instead of just sort of moving past it. So I'll let you take it from there. Let's go right into that. What do you mean by that? What are the the dangers or the concerns of people who follow detachment? Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Well, first of all, there's detachment. There's a couple different ways we can look at detachment. We can look at it as detaching from our physical goods, you know, and and, uh, living a simpler life. But what's really being espoused out in the community, in the wellness community, and even in the spiritual groups and so forth, and therapists, is this idea of letting go and removing oneself from bad situations or negative feelings. In, In other words, even with our mental wellness, you know, we've got this idea of just think positive and everything will change for the better. And I really believe that that is causing a lot more anxiety and separation from ourself than it's causing healing. And what I mean by that is, well, I often give the example for people like, 
If you are a believer in universality or oneness or that we are all part of the same collective consciousness, if you will, we can't pick and choose what we experience and don't experience. We can't be in denial about part of that connectivity, but then claim the fullness on the other side of it. It's, it's actually kind of hypocritical, and it's uh, psychologically damaging to try to you know, swing between these two worlds. If I believe that, I, that everything happens for a reason or that there is a great design, divine order to life, that I am actually a necessary part of this cosmos and this planet and other people's lives, then I am connected to that. And I do feel connected to that. I feel connected in my purpose and in my life. And even if you don't have that viewpoint, just the idea of denying yourself the reality of your authentic feelings should be allowed, and not only just allowed, but encouraged. So when we try to detach from how we feel, if we have a, a, a difficult emotion, it's similar to like detaching a part of our body. You know, it's like we, we try to what, take off, you know, an appendage and put it on to the other side of the room. We try to, you know, run away from this feeling of fear or resentment or whatever the emotion is. And then we're only separated ourselves from it, which is separating ourselves from ourselves. And then not only do we not have easy access to that emotion when we really need it, but we're not allowing ourselves the gift of processing and learning and actually evolving to the next place. Yeah, so I'm going to dive in and give an example that I've had in my life. It was, it was several years ago now, and it was a close friend who, uh, who there was a misunderstanding, and, and I had done something to, part, to, to cause part of it, and another part of it was a misunderstanding. And they might have done something to cause it. But I felt hurt that, that they didn't even want to heal this. They didn't want to put forth an effort to heal this. And my mind would say, just let it go. This isn't going to happen. Just let it go. It never let it go. It drove me further nuts, like, what's right. wrong here? What's go- Why not? And it just went deeper and deeper until I dove deep and said, why is this hurting me? Like, what is my fear here? Is the fear that this person no longer likes me, why am I stuck on that? Why do I need this person in my life? That led to a much deeper conversation in my head and looking at myself saying, do you need everyone to like you? Is that what this is about? And this person no longer likes you who was in your life. There's other people that can come in here. And it just led to a million different questions, but it was very provocative. And maybe what was else was going on at that moment. And you're saying, that's it. You got to do the homework. It's that, and it's also a, a very important key element that I talk about a lot in my workshops and clients is, you know, just like what you described, there's a tangled, a tangled mess of emotions that often come about, and it triggers different things within us. You know, do people not like me? Am I not good enough? What did I do? You know, was my um, foul play so severe that it caused someone to have a, a judgment against me or whatever? But the truth is, is that there's a lot of grief, and every time that we experience pain, we experience grief. You lost your friend. You know, you parent, you love this person to some degree, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and they were, crap. yeah. And the most difficult part of this kind of healing and actually staying connected to that deep, real center part of ourselves is staying connected to the love and allowing ourselves to grieve the change that's happening. So in other words, let's say let's say a person or in this instance, you know, they've intentionally made a decision not to be around you. That's their decision, and you can't do anything about that, right? That's right. It's, hurt, it's hurtful, though. And if you just try to deny it and go, oh, well, screw them. You know, I'm going to go about my own way, and I'm just going to forget about all this. 
you're not honoring your part of the love and the grief and the experience that you did have with that person. So that's the, I think that is the central part of this connection idea of how can I learn to experience love and pain at the same time? Whenever there's let's let's dive in. Let's dive in on that. Let's say in the case I gave, what would be a skill set for all of our listeners listening that when you have one of those moments happen in life, a disappointment of some kind, either a disconnection with somebody, something like that. What's a skill set, a step we can take to feel that grief and to help us do so in a way that's meaningful and helpful? Yeah. Well, you know, I just wrote this article yoga journal about the 10 ways we can be fearless in grief because grief is a huge thing whether you lose a friend a home a lover or a spouse or whatever it is first thing is to learn how to get present in your body because before you can do anything if you're not you know actively engaged in your presence in the moment and and that means how you feel getting your feet firmly planted on the ground being physically stabilized emotionally stabilized that's step number one whatever a person needs to do to feel connected and rooted in their experience right now. And I want to pause because I want everyone to hear that. I think that's so important. What's going on mentally, spiritually, emotionally is directly tied to physicality and where you are. I'm fortunate where I work out, I work out with a trainer and, and he's very aware if I walk in and I'm not in the right space. Like he sees, he's like, Mike, you're tighter than normally this. We need to just, it's not even about the workout at that point. It's like, all right, what are you doing to take care of this? Because I'm not going to do any good with your body if your brain is not letting your body operate in optimal ways. And so I think that's really important for our listening. What are you doing to be grounded, to connect to the, and literally might be being grounded, might be going barefoot out in the yard and just feeling the earth and being grounded that way. But I think that's really important for everyone listening. We get so brain focused that I've got to solve the problem that we forget about connection to start solving the problem. Exactly. And, and even, you know, and I hate to say this because I teach meditation and so forth, people get so spirit focused or like intuitive focused or just this higher self kind of focus and the self care focus that we forget. You cannot separate the physical from the emotional and the mental. You just cannot. It will, all of that stress and the, and the thoughts and the emotions and the experiences start to store in our body. And that's why we have to move and free ourselves and get our feet on the ground and eat enough proteins and fats and stabilize our blood sugar so it doesn't, you know, affect our moods and everything. So it is, it's vitally important. And I say it's pretty much step number one across the board. With grief, though, another important thing is, you know, people tend to want to, and especially men, I will say, because women are more yappers. But even for the people that like to talk, we tend to want to isolate. You know, grief hurts. It brings up the sh- feelings of shame and guilt and all the stuff that we've dealt with for, you know, the past 20, 30 years. And it hurts to be separated from any kind of love that we've experienced. And so, again, the practice of recognizing that love is still alive but allowing ourselves to grieve the physical separation is really important. But to stay connected to other people, to talk about it, to journal about it, to al- really allow the emotions to come out. I think that's re- I think that's really important for people to think about who you do that with too and how you present that, right? Because if you're doing that to loved ones, they can be worried about you because you're expressing this and they want to fix you instead of actually just let you talk. Like, I just need to talk. I just need to talk this out. You don't need to solve anything, but let me talk. And I think that's really important for people to clarify when you're talking to someone. Hey, I just need, right now, I just need to talk. And there may be areas where you're going to want to jump in and help me. I'm going to ask you today just to, if you can just be present for me, because I just, the more I talk this out, the more it helps me. Right, exactly. I mean, and it's so important just to 
get the energy moving, get the emotions moving, and really allow them. You know, it's it's scary to allow those deep emotions, but once they come up and we allow them, it's such a healing experience. You know, and then I, I would say thirdly, my one of my favorite techniques in dealing with grief is finding a way to memorialize. Even like with your instance, you may never see this friend again, but part of what you can do for yourself and your friend and that energy that you had together is memorialize it somehow. You have a beautiful backyard. Where are you located, by the way? <laughs> We're here in the Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, okay. I mean, you could, you know, put a, a bird feeder out there and with a plaque with his name on there or whatever he'd like to do or, you know, create a recipe in the person's name or get a ball cap or do an art piece. That's what I tend to like to do. I like to make art. And I put my emotion and my love into that memorialized kind of thing. And then it's just, it becomes a symbol, you know, it becomes something external of me that helps me to always remember that that was real. You know, it may have hurt and it may be over in this physical plane, but the love and that experience was real. And there's nothing wrong for, uh, the, to honor that, you know, even that's if cool. it poorly, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really unique. People, you don't think of that honoring the the relationship that went bad, you know, but, but if there was a lot of good in it before, that's different than, I guess somebody could be listening thinking, well, what if it was an unhealthy relationship? Then you should probably think of it more as a freedom than honoring, right? Like this is my freedom. I'm just gonna pause this for one second because I wanna let everyone listening know about one of our amazing sponsors. And that's the book, Yes Means Yes, an introduction to consent and boundaries by Christine Babinick. Yes Means Yes is for our youngest readers and takes one of the most basic tasks of childhood, learning to ask for permission, and applies to consent and healthy boundaries. Available on Amazon, Yes Means Yes, an introduction to consent and boundaries. Every relationship teaches you. I, I'm, right. you know, I really believe that you know they're all just reflections and teachers and, and people in our place to either reveal something to us to help us make decisions, make choices, and maybe that choice is to, to leave, you know, or to see something about ourselves that we aren't able to see on our own, or maybe just to learn new levels of compassion or uh, new ways to stand up for ourselves. Every opportunity does give us a, an opportunity to learn, but we do need to stay safe. I mean, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What is the self-talk that one needs to be able to have with themselves when they're having that kind of grief or loss, right? Because that's where I think a lot of people get confused what do I say to myself that makes this okay? Like tomorrow memorializes, okay. I, you know, I can just, uh, yes, I've lost this relationship, but I'm going to honor that it was wonderful when I had it and new ones will come my way. Is that the kind of self-talk we're talking about? Or It can be part of it. And actually, I'll go ahead and say number four because this is another uh, one of my favorites. And I think some therapists use this as well. But, you know, give yourself a time of the day to grieve. Like, if, maybe you need a lot of time. Maybe you need 7 to 8 in the morning and 11 to 12 in the morning and 2 to 3. But give yourself almost like a schedule. So during that time that you have designated, that's when it's a really beautiful time to either do the memorial kind of thing or to journal. And in that self-talk, trying to speak clearly from the heart, you know. I often tell people, clients in particular, when they're journaling, they can journal to their loved one or to the relationship or to the experience. They can journal to themselves, to their own inner child, to speak to some of the deeper things that are that are wounded still and that are coming up because of this loss and grief. You know, you can journal about the you can make a journal of all the wonderful things and then a journal of all the terrible things. The point is to let yourself be unfiltered. You know, we get so in our mind and judgmental about how we do everything. Am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I grieving right? Have I grieved enough? Is it, am I grieving too long? 
we get so judgmental. And if we could remove that judgmental aspect from our mind, which is that false illusion, that you know, ego part of ourselves, and just let ourselves communicate, express, talk to someone, make a new friend, go cry in your bedroom, write a mean letter, you know, beat a pillow with a baseball bat, whatever you need to do, and not judge yourself for it, you know? That's Renee Brown is Renee Brown talks about that, that rough first draft and allowing yourself to write it as if no one's ever going to read it. No filter, let it go. And I think it's so powerful. I think one of the things you brought up is you can choose who you write that journal to. I think you should, I think writing it to every, every facet is so valuable, right? So write a letter to yourself about what you loved about that relationship and what you'll look forward to in a future one. Right. So what did I get from this that I'm going to look forward to in a future relationship with someone else and write to that person? Now, you don't have to ever send it. Right. It's a journal, but write to them with gratitude. I want to thank you for this and the times and this. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, a lot of people do get into negative self-talk when they're writing. And even some of that needs to be expressed because it is real and true. But if you're going to get into the negative self-talk, we have to force ourselves to balance, you know, with the positive self-talk. And I'm not like a cheerleader, like I said, for, you know, just, oh, think positive all the time because there's real emotion that needs to be worked out underneath that. But we do need to be aware enough of ourselves to see I keep talking negatively about myself. And either maybe I'm talking positively about the other person or, you know, I can't find a positive aspect. But we need to be able to honor ourselves and at least balance the you know, the playing field of um, today I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at ways that I actually was healthy in that relationship or the things that I give to other people or what the, what I did at that job that was really valuable to everyone. And I need to honor that for myself right now, you know, and make a list of five things. It's like that's where the self-help really comes in. No, I love it. I mean, it's, and it's really important conversation for us to have with ourselves. And so I want and this has been great. Thank you. I, I want to dive into a totally different perspective. And that is that you refer to yourself as a modern sage, which is such, yes. a, such a unique phrase. And I love it when somebody has a unique title for themselves. What's the story behind that? What does that mean? Well, I'm also known as a girl named Guy, to tell you the truth, because my last name is Guy. Yes. So my production company is a girl named Guy. My business is Modern Sage, and honestly, I bought that name years ago. It was a magazine, but when I saw it, it really resonated to me because that's, I guess that was kind of like how I always saw myself. I teach a lot in the spiritual and kind of esoteric world. I teach about energy. I teach about, um, you know, emotional wellness and, and spiritual growth and so forth. But I'm also just a very modern kind of girl next door. You know, I think in, in our society, we have this separated vision of the new age kind of person and then the fitness kind of people and then the, you know, nutrition kind of people. And I think it's important to be a little of all of that because, you know, that's what keeps our wheels clicking. But to gain your own wisdom from experience, and that's where I started, you know, from personal experience of traumatic issues and and things and I have been able um, by grace and by by tenacity and by using everything that I've learned to pick myself up and move forward and pick myself up and move forward and um, well, and, and I want to jump on that because you talk about about you know having those facets of life there emotional spiritual physical and I think it's really important people to ask who's your team in other words who are you surrounding yourself with that that helps fulfill all those necessities? If I work with a trainer, okay, that's the physical. Who's my medical doctor that has this understanding? 
that has a holistic approach that looks at non-traditional answers and are they, do they know about each other? What about, do you have a friend who you love to dive deep into spiritually conversation? Do you have it set up so they're talking to them regularly? How are you surrounding yourself? You don't need to have paid professionals. You can have people that instill that and you refer to emotional workouts which I think is a great phrase. So can you explain what they are and what are two examples of how we can do that every day in our lives? Sure. Well, I give a lot of examples in the book um, of emotional workouts because they're kind of different based on what you're working with. But it's the same principle as physical workouts. You know, we have to start giving time and attention and practice to our emotional well-being. The reason so many people are stuck in their emotions is because they've never been taught how to, you know, authentically and and just genuinely express themselves. They're afraid of feeling. They're afraid that they're going to be overcome with this dark energy or this bad feeling, or they're never going to get out of the grief, or they're never going to get out of the you know, resentment or anger or so forth if they allow themselves to feel it. But it's really the opposite. We get stuck and bound up when we don't allow ourselves to, to move through it. So the emotional workouts are just really simple. Some of them are very physical hands-on stuff, you know, like we mentioned about getting grounded, you know, like um, because I'm so into connection and love and not separation, I recommend things like, uh, you know, just even starting a garden or placing, you know, something like a some window or something to take care of that you can get your hands in and connected to earth or to animals. That's a great emotional workout to get outside of yourself and actually tend to something, you know, nice. people don't so to care for. The care for attending to things, you know, being a good steward of what you what is in your environment. It's okay if you have, you know, maybe a lot of plants or a lot of animals, but you know, be mindful about how you're caring for them. Some of the emotional workouts are more cathartic and you know, um, movement based. So, so would that you know, be free- like a yoga? Would that be even dancing? You know, if someone's really jammed up in their creative center. Like dancing and, and, and opening that channel in their deepest core. Well, that's me. I, if, I'm, if I'm down, I'm going to go blare the music and I'm going to go dance. Like that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I don't care. I, don't, I mean, people who know me know this about me, but I, that's, dance is an awesome release. And so that, that's a physical one that can be used for emotional. Are there other ones? Because we've named a couple here that are, you know, the, that are in the ground, the planting, the caring for, the dancing. Are there any that are not physical that are emotional workouts, that, examples? Oh, yeah. Well, like I already mentioned journaling. Uh, Meditation is another wonderful, especially like a walking, moving meditation is a very powerful way to integrate like with the the thoughts and the emotions that are going on our our body and our mind. And uh, so let's pause there. A walking for those who are never heard of that, a walking meditation. So what does that look like? Because obviously you're not closing your eyes, meditating while you're walking. That'd be dangerous. What is that? What does that encompass? It's really simple as this. Instead of just going out for a walk to enjoy the air or whatever, you well, I would, I'll, I'll take you through a, a short little process. Let's imagine you, but right before you step outside the door, just bring your attention to the bottom of your feet. And now we have our attention to the bottom of our feet. And we're going to slowly, just mindfully, one step at a time, start walking. And we're not going fast. We're not going hurried. Then we can bring our attention to our breath. And now we have our breath and our feet moving together. Then we bring our focus of our eyes to something in front of us. It could be a tree, it could be the sidewalk, it could be the fence, whatever it is. And so now you're, you're mindful of your feet, you're focused on your breath, and you're just really observing in a very acute way maybe one object in front of you. And you just walk with that for a few steps. And then maybe you shift your focus to something else, 
but stay mindful with the breath and the steps and the, and the objects that you're focused on and just walk with that. I love it because then you're not, what we often do on our walks is we think about our past and our future. While we're walking, we try to use it as a moment of clarity. Instead, you're being fully present, uh, which is what you're describing. It's very much like mindful eating. You know, are you taking in the taste? Are you appreciating that the farmer who made this? Are you, it's being aware of all those elements, which is really cool, really, really neat in that. And, and in your book, it's, it's like a raw approach. It's different than other healing books. Uh, so how did you get to a place of healing and mindfulness for your own journey? Well, it came, like I said, from experience. I, when I was young, I went through a series of things like a lot of people do. Anxiety, I had an eating disorder. I was very emotionally, intuitively kind of beyond my years, I think, but highly sensitive. Um, my parents got divorced. I had an aunt who was murdered. And then ultimately, I had a rape that I endured. So after that point, uh, and I was also very always spiritually kind of connected. I had a relationship at a young age with prayer and angels and thinking about things, you know, outside of myself and intuition and that kind of stuff. But after the rape, I went to start my healing journey because the medications, the, you know, traditional therapy and things weren't working. And I um, sought out, uh, I was recommended this energy healing school in California. And so I went, I went for the interest of learning, but also I went for my own healing. And there I was immersed in hours and hours and hours of meditation, of mind-body analysis, of energy movement, energy healing and awareness and so forth. And it changed my life. It actually, not only, it was a very subtle way, and I recommend it, especially for people who've been traumatized, it allows people to be with you and near you in that energetic way without feeling too invade, invaded or, you know, afraid of someone touching you or being too close in your space. So it was, it was the first steps for me of healing. And then in that, I realized I had a gift of actually helping people, you know, and intuitively kind of understanding where they were in their physical body and in their emotional and spiritual self. And just over the past 22 years, you know, it's just kind of kept evolving and growing and so forth. Um, but I also, I was a massage therapist for a while and studied nutrition, you know, I'm very physical aspect, but I'm equally as into the emotional and spiritual aspect. And, and one, I want to thank you for sharing as a survivor. Uh, as you know, we work with a lot of survivors in the work we do around the world. And so you sharing that strength and that courage right there is an example of role modeling for those listening. And uh, the, the way you speak is, is just great in that you say, hey, here's what was happening. And I found a way to move forward for myself. And in that, how do you, how do you help survivors with this concept of be careful of not the myth of detachment. You know, that's your language, the myth of detachment and helping yourself as a survivor move forward. Because a lot of people would say it's healthy for a survivor to be able to detach from that. And so how do you, how do you use the approach you take for helping survivors, supporting survivors? Well, you know, I, um, I, I'm a very firm believer in um, dropping the blame. And I don't mean just forgetting what happened. I don't mean just for, forgiving the, uh, you know, the accoster or what have you. I mean, regardless, my story is different than your story. You know, we, we all have traumatic experiences and relationships and emotional dis dysfunction in our lives. And when we become emotionally mature enough and stable enough, and this is why I really harp on getting yourself stabilized first, when we get there, then we can start working on how we are. And there's a very big difference between um, being a survivor of being a victim rather than focused on how I am. And when I focus on how I am, 
regardless of what happened to me, that's when I have the opportunity to actually heal. If my focus is always on what happened, then my energy and my focus is outside of myself. And it keeps me separated from what, I, what something that, quote, you know, that not quote, but it did happen. And it keeps me attached to this, to the blame. And what I want to do is attach here. I want to go inside and how am I? And that's all that matters. That is truly all that matters. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, you know, be accused and rightfully taken care of with the actions that they've taken. But I'm talking about the person that is the survivor. You have to focus on how you are and recognizing that that experience, just like any other experience, it triggers other things in you. That's why guilt comes up in a huge way for people who've been a victim of this kind of thing. And shame. We already have guilt and shame. And, and an event like that can make that stuff blow up like crazy. We have to really attend to both aspects of who I was before and who am I now and how I am. Well, I think I think it's so important what you said there of because I know some people listening who are in my field of work will will sort of freak out and go, oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that not hold the, the predator responsible? It's not what you're saying at all. You're saying, no. no, we absolutely hold the predators responsible. Absolutely. The assailants. Now, for my individual health as a survivor, where am I right now? Who am I right now? Right. People get in their mind. And, and, you know, I I look at things a lot like energy and I speak that way, but I mean it. And you can say mental. We mentally remove ourselves and we even in relationships, you know, we're constantly thinking about the other person or what are they doing or are they having a better life than me or is he ever going to get his or, you know, is he ever going to, you know, or is she going to ever be, you know, reprimanded for their actions or what have you. And while all that is important, our, our main job at, to, to thrive, to actually become whole, is to become whole. And we need to do what we need to do to become whole. And that experience, and here's where my book and my teaching is very different, that experience is part of my wholeness. It did not take from me. It is part of my wholeness. It is a real thing that is part of my history and it's as just as real, as important as every other good thing that's happened to me. Oh, absolutely. Survivors I meet around the world, it drives them nuts when people said, how did you move past it? I didn't move past it. It's part of me. It's part of who I, and so that, that's that dangerous concept that I just moved past it. Like it's not there anymore. And m- almost every survivor I've ever met that, it's, that is, like you said, in that strong, healthy place, says, no, this is part of who I am today. Going through this is part of who I am today. It does not own me. It does not define me, but it's part of what has made me who I am today. Uh, and so I, I value you and appreciate you sharing that with us. For everyone listening right now, I want to thank you, Leah, because it's been a great, great conversation. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. For everyone listening, Leah Guy, and you said it's, what's the phrase? A girl named Guy? Is that or is, a girl named Guy is, is my production company. Is your production company. company. Okay. So we'll have all the links to Leah on our website at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. For everyone listening, until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. 
We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.